0: Hi everyone, may peace be on you all And welcome to another episode of I'm a Muslim and That's Okay As always, I'm your host, Shella And it is Ramadan And every year I always do a Ramadan episode And I was thinking, I've covered Like most of the basics in previous years You know, what we do uh, Some, like traditions here and there and I like I don't know what else to do for Ramadan but this year what was different is that my kids started fasting on a pretty like regular basis. They started from day one and then they've been continuing on and I began to notice how it's so different for them as opposed to how it was for us, especially for me when I was growing up in Pakistan. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do an episode on a little bit of Ramadan nostalgia, just as a sort of comparison for people who live here and they don't know Ramadan any differently than for somebody like me who grew up in a Muslim country and how Ramadan is different over there. So that's what it is. Today's episode, solo Ramadan episode, is Ramadan nostalgia. And um, to begin with, anywhere, I mean, as is, you know, how kids are, you know, doing their day is so different than how it was for me growing up in Pakistan. If I had to put in any basic, like school, for example, our schools were not as long as schools for kids over here. Over there, um, for the most part, or at least the the way I remember it, um, I don't know if it has changed in the past twenty plus years. I've just aged myself, but you know. <laughs> um, but our schools used to get off at about one thirty and I used to be home by two thirty and I used to take the bus. And um but over here, kids the school ends at Three o'clock for my kids is about 3 15, and they're in an Islamic school. And I was like, dang, even though that's brave, little in their boys Islamic and girls schools, are school in Ramadan, going to does school, start fasting a little later than would for does a full day normally, of school, still, and a majority 15, of their peers, I don't know, it's just will not be fasting. It may be the same amount of hours I mean, that we had again, in Pakistan I have no experience but with this, just but feels just hunger and. Me, my kids I are mean, lucky I can't say in all public um, school, they're in an Islamic school in, and the school uh, starts. A good later for of them, them than they're just being given concessions, but you know, they're not A, a lot not have to go especially out. Especially Muslim families school. don't have the luxury to send oh, I mean, their kids it's to just it's school. so hard. I so can't even imagine, man. They send them to public um, school and again even, even in Ramadan, my kids have the luxury that I grew up kids that are in Muslim country and my kids go to school. And I don't know. I don't know how they're doing it that even me over here. When I think about so that it, I was think the I first thing that really um, struck me when you know my kids started fasting regularly so hard especially when you have non-muslim peers who are not when I did the we over there like, grew, if it I it was Ramadan literally there, almost everybody was fasting you here. knew it um, everybody well in your class I mean above a certain age I'm not saying that little kids usually fasted but you know above a certain age if you're like 12 13 14 15 They were fasting. So, you know, it didn't, you didn't, we didn't have like formal recess because especially since our day had, would become shorter. Um, Even, even with our short-ish days, our, our days used to become shorter in Ramadan. So our schools ended at 1230 instead of 130. We used to get an, an hour less and we'd be home even earlier from school. But over here, um, especially if they're in public school, I, I simply can't imagine. And the other thing that you know you can sort of make a comparison to, is that in Pakistan, like when Ramadan came, everybody was celebrating it. And when you know we did sort of like family gatherings for iftar, or even if you did iftar at home, there was not a day. When you know the doorbell wouldn't ring and your neighbor was su- sending you something for iftar, I mean, there. I, even if you didn't make anything at home, it, there's somebody who's sending you stuff because in our traditions, it's if you help a fasting person break their fast, it's as if you had. It's like the double a double reward for fasting for your fast and their fast as well. And, yeah, like doorbells ringing constantly, like trays upon trays of food. That's what it used to be in Pakistan. And I was never a huge eater. But, you know, there used to be so much food. The only the, the thing was is that, you know, the family was eating together. At least the food would be finished. Over here, not in my current neighborhood because I'm surrounded by um, a, a great community of Muslims, Uh, But like what previously when I used to be in other neighborhoods where my neighbors weren't necessarily Muslim and uh, you do sort of miss that, even though I'm not a huge eater at all. But it's just it's a part of the bustle that sort of exists when we when we grow up in a Muslim country that you'll have the doorbells ringing close to iftar time and somebody's sending you food even if you don't need the food it just it's just very heartwarming and we used to miss that you know that we don't have any muslim neighbors that we can share our food with or who would share food with us and a lot of times we used to go with the kids to the masjid because they would have communal iftars almost every day and that sort of helped but Again, when we are in the U.S., not every city, not every state has masjids close by. It depends on the size of the Muslim communities. A lot of states, especially like big cities in Texas, have a huge uh, Muslim community. But smaller towns, especially, don't have a huge Muslim community. And I really feel for, you know, Muslim, Muslim families who don't grow up with Muslim neighbors it's it's a very isolating experience when really you can't, in, a, in essence, break bread with a Muslim neighbor when you've been fasting all day. So I think, I, I mean, again, now, especially when we have Muslim neighbors, we have the same, and I'm going to go air quotes with this problem that every single day we have somebody sending us food. I think it's it's fantastic. It's very heartwarming. And I think I missed that for my kids previously. It's like I wish that they would experience some of those cultural things that we used to have when we were growing, growing up in Pakistan. And this was one of them that uh, people would send you food you know, close to iftar, even though my kids are terribly picky eaters, they're not going to eat it but even then, you know, they can see it happen and maybe pass on the tradition to their kids and that's that, I think the other thing is is that, again, I'm very fortunate to have Muslim neighbors that, you know now um, even like in Pakistan, like when Ramadan came, there was not a tradition of decorating your house per se Um, but because everybody was celebrating it, you know, it was it was a festive energy, even if the houses were not decorated. And now what I see is that there's a trend in Muslim families is that they either decorate the houses from the outside for Ramadan, and of course, you do have to take special permissions for that. And um, I don't know if that's, it's the same for Christmas or not. Do you need special permissions to put up lights or not? But I know the, for a fact that if... Uh, you're doing it outside of the season um, like regular season you do need to get a permit for that and uh, but some um, uh, muslims uh, they do decorate their houses from the outside or if it's like it's too much of a hassle to get a special permit a lot of muslims i've seen and this these are like new new trends um i see up and coming in the u.s is that they decorate, like really go all out um, decorating their houses from the inside, like hang hanging lights on the inside. I've even seen like balloon decorations, like really fancy schmancy ones that you would expect at big events around staircases or on top of fireplaces. It's really great. But all of this is just to create a sense of like the communal festivity that, we didn't need when i was especially growing up in pakistan because everybody was practicing uh ramadan so there was always that really energy that really ex- that, that excitement for it and uh, but for especially parents who are raising their kids over here they do go make that uh, extra effort to make it a special time and i think it's great um it's just but it it's a striking sort of a contrast for what I am used to especially when I was growing up so yeah those are the, those are some of the things that parents especially like again as I'd mentioned, I'm fortunate to have a lot of Muslim neighbors, but many people who are isolated, they then try to do go all out within their homes as well just so their kids can have an experience that a Ramadan is special, Eid is special for them because it's hard. Um, they see all the other cultural festivities that happen Easter which is just, just around the corner right now, Christmas, um, to any number of days that are celebrated here but they're not really pu- publicly acknowledged um, and that's changing too. Uh, I'll get to that. So It's important that the parents that they're doing all of these things so their kids can be connected to their Islamic roots. And what I've noticed is, is that um, now because of, you know, growing awareness and a lot of Muslims are more outspoken in regular media or social social media they see that we are a huge audience. Um, Just recently, I saw that um, in Canada, KitKat brought out a a special seasonal KitKat just for Ramadan. I was like, wow, that's great. And now, like, um, I'm in Dallas, so if you go to target or walmart you've got ramadan decorations they know who that will be buying this stuff so they keep it in stock i think that's great but again that's that's a luxury in cities um or in like in canada like in certain cities there are huge muslim populations not every target or walmart carries this and it's it's I think that's that's one of the things and one of the other things that um especially Muslims that are that are living in cities that don't have a huge muslim population they do struggle with. So I mean I think that was one of the comparisons I could see that when we were growing up it was for us Ramadan was a norm was a everyday part of the of the uh, not everyday part uh, it was a yearly part it would come every year and it was the same energy same everything every single year even like for jobs I, I, I forgot to mention this earlier but yeah even our work days were half days it was not the nine to five I think it was like 8 30 to 3 and we used to get off earlier. And obviously, yeah, everybody's fasting. So you didn't have coworkers eating their lunch in front of you. It just didn't happen. But for those who are like Muslim adults, it's, it's a hard venture. Because let's not forget, it's not just going to 9 to 5 and you're fasting and by 5 p.m. I don't even work at an office, okay? I'm home doing my virtual everything my freelance work I'm on in my office in my house I have the luxury of this and 5 p.m. everything is gone legitimately everything is gone you have no amount of energy to do anything you need a nap. but for the Muslims working um, in the US like they just can't go take a random nap in the workplace um, they're not even get gonna get um, an early how how would you say an earlier time to go home. It's not gonna work that way. And not just that, uh, as I'd mentioned previous years, we also have special prayers that happen in Ramadan called the Taraweeh, and those are long prayers at night. It can start from nine p.m. go all the way to twelve p.m we are also then then you have to wake up for our morning breakfast which is usually 5 a.m. and then all of these muslim adults are heading off to work by 7 uh, 7 a.m. so yeah a lot of us are also running on very little sleep it's very hard i i mad props to everybody who is like working the full days while fasting it's really hard to everybody like in the corporate world we need a nap room i'm not even kidding please provide us with a, a nap room as a part of our, of your diversity equity and inclusion process nap rooms, not just for us i think on a like a like a modern take on the workplace we need nap rooms naps make things better at the workplace (laughs) Um, but yeah it's it's seriously it's hard and uh, for those like who have Muslim co-workers have Muslim peers in school please check up on on us Um, and I think if I had any requests for anybody who's listening in this is one of those times, I think, the reason for this episode was just to show that in Ramadan, when when we're in a Muslim country, it's different because communally we understand the toll a fast takes on our body. But when we're in a non-Muslim country, we don't expect everybody to understand how difficult a fast is. But by making the comparison, at least I can show that how really like fasting when we don't get any um, special provisions for the for the for the fast and I'm not saying that just because we're fasting we're going to be doing less work or less efficient work or that um, we'll be unfairly um, like throw in our responsibilities on other people that's not what the fast is about but even if we were given some slight provisions, I'm not even sure, maybe a later uh, start time for work days, we'll still get the job done, but at least we'll be a little more rested. Even for students, like, if most public schools gave special provisions for students fasting in Ramadan, give them a nap room for the love of God. Yeah, because um, it's hard. It's hard for students to go a full school day and then come home they're expected to do homework maybe just a reduction in homework I don't know man um and again it's it's a tricky subject and it's a tricky thing but I think not just for Muslims for all people from all different backgrounds if we're aware of some of the struggles of individual communities and are able to to really, I guess, makes even slight accommodations, if nothing else, you know. Or the last ten, ni- 10 days of Ramadan are particularly special for us because we do extra long prayers. Um, in those last ten days, they're very special, have huge significance because in one of those uh nights is when the Quran was revealed. A lot of adult wor- working adults would really like to have those 10 days off. but I've heard from a lot of them that they're just they're not given that accommodation, even though there are accommodations for things like Christmas, that those who are Christians will automatically get those day, days off. And most Muslims won't take the, that time off. There's a lot of times working because they're hoping that at least they can get 10 those last 10 days off or the Eids off if those accommodations can be made, it would really create so much more of a happier workplace for Muslims. And again, that's always good. Like if your workers or your students are happier with even just the slightest accommodations, they're better students, better people at the workplace. So I think it's something that really should be taken into consideration. And even if, you know, um, it's not a coworker or a peer as a student if you meet somebody who's a muslim just check up on them um if you wish to send us iftar especially if you know that they're the only muslim in the neighborhood um it it would really mean something to us because it can be very a very isolating time and it would warm our hearts and brighten our spirits to know that somebody's really thinking about us in Ramadan. So until next time, I will have another episode that comes on in out in Ramadan. If you have, and that's what I wanted to say earlier is that if you have any particular queries about Ramadan, something that you'd like to know that I haven't covered in previous episodes, I would love to get their question, those questions. I'll put the, my email address in the show notes and you can also DM me in on my social media, Instagram, particularly, I'll have that link in the show notes as well. I'm most active over there. Just send me a DM and I'll see if I can answer those questions. And so until next time, y'all take care of yourself and may peace be on you all. Thank you so much for tuning in to I'm a Muslim and that's okay. And if you wish to follow my social media for more updates, you can follow me on Instagram, on Facebook and on YouTube. All the links to those are in the show notes. And if you are on Apple or on Spotify or on Podchaser, please do give my podcast a five star rating. It really does help get me, you know, in the public eye. And if you wish to donate to support the podcast, you can do so through the PayPal link in my show notes as well. Take care.